Welcome back, bat friends and folk, to another wonderful episode of Tim Talk. For those who don't know, we give a very deep analysis of everything created by Bruce Tim, starting with Batman the Animated Series, all the way through Justice League Unlimited. We are your two hosts. I'm Cameron Dexter. And I'm Chris Lord. And we have two great episodes to talk about this week. Well, I doubt you when you say great, because you were <laughs> just bemoaning the forgotten. We have one great episode and one decent episode to talk about this week. So, I, you know what? I liked The Forgotten. I'm going to throw it out there. I liked it. There are aspects of this episode that I thought was really interesting. But overall, this was like, I've never hated a villain as much as I've hated this villain. Oh, no, the villain's, the villain's terrible. Yeah. Like, I would say he's even worse than the Sewer King. Yeah. But I'd say it's a better episode than the Underdwellers. Oh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll disagree on that point. That is not saying much. That is very faint praise. <laughs> The thing but. that I, I loved most about this episode was the music. Oh. It felt, you didn't like it? No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. The music, okay. music, it's so bad. Did this bad. feel like Shawshank Redemption, the well, Batman story to you? Uh, it's based off Cool Hand Luke, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I actually haven't seen. Neither have I. Yeah, I probably should. That's like, that's, I think, kind of low on the list of like cinematic faux pas not knowing yeah. Cool Hand Luke. But yeah, it's there are parts of it i really enjoy i'll i'll, I'll guess i'll agree with that yeah. aspect mm -hmm. yeah i think we should just jump right in do you want to start the summary for us sure so this one uh starts with bruce working at a food shelter mm -hmm. and something we were talking about in the last episode is that we see that bruce actually has a bit of a life he actually does things outside of just being batman now part of that is it gives the writers a convenient way to introduce him to new situations to set up the storylines, but it also fleshes him out a little bit more. So, you know, we do see he has a strong philanthropic side. So he's down at the food shelter and the dude he's talking to is saying how people are disappearing. Excuse me, <laughs> that they're disappearing. So just, yeah, both homeless people and volunteers. Yeah. Anyone in that area is kind of stopped showing up. Yeah. Disappearing off the street. So we cut to a swarm of bats, which means we're in the bat cave. Mm -hmm. Bruce goes straight to his disguise closet, and he grabs the Gaff Morgan. Okay, I'm glad you remembered his name. Disguise, yeah. Well, it, it had a tag. It actually had a oh, tag. Oh, did it? Yeah. I didn't even read the tag. It had a tag. He puts on some 5 o'clock shadow, puts in some white hair dye, hops in his Studebaker, and heads down to the streets. I love seeing all the different aspects of kind of his multiple personality disorder. What? Uh, what's... What's the um matches Malone, right? Isn't that like, the, his, like his, the quint the quintessential like, Yeah, his like mobster his mobster disguise. Persona. Yeah, but this was this is Gaff Morgan. I, he has like that was a full closet. Yeah. Different things. And so he heads down to the alleyways and uh he's just kind of shuffling around, looking around. These guys jump out, they try to fight him, and he just kind of like dodges around them. It it's a great little moment of just like you just to show how much more adept at fighting he is. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like when he's actually going around and beating them up at the same time, you it's so jumbled, you don't actually kind of see, and I don't think the artists actually kind of go into the detail of him, like, showing how acrobatic and maneuverable he is. Yeah. Like, this short little scene, like... Yeah, he just, like, he just ducks out of the way, and the he, guys swing, yeah. and they crash into stuff, and he doesn't actually have to throw a punch. Mm -hmm. They just basically hurt themselves. The The second villain is wonderful when he, like... So he throws he throws a right hook and he mm -hmm. hits something metal and then like Bruce chuckles and he throws a left hook and he also hits something metal and he like shakes his hand and he has a moment there's a pause where he's like is this gonna work this has to work 
and he just tries to headbutt Bruce. Oh, and yeah. And just headbutts himself straight into this metal pole or whatever and collapses. Yeah. I'm like, that, that's how henchmen work. These guys are just completely clueless, but I'm going to say not as clueless as Bruce, who then just stands there super smug with himself and gets hit over the head and objected. So I have a theory about that. Okay. The scene starts off with him walking down the alley and he mm-hmm. sees a stray black cat and he's like fascinated by this black cat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's, 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 I have a note here, incapacitated by cat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you think that was supposed to be a nod to Selena Kyle? Because he, like, can't, like, he's, like, hypnotized by this cat. I would say no because we haven't met her. I know, but I think met it's. Met her yet. I, I like to think it's I, a nice nod. I forgot too. that it was a black cat. It's probably just the writer's way, like, oh, like, bad luck. Guess who's coming next? Yeah, I don't know how, I mean, clearly the dude has bad luck. I mean. Yeah. At least. Since he was a kid. Yeah, since he was eight. He's really had pretty rough luck. But he gets knocked out. Now, what I, what I love about this, do you think, Cameron, at some point in his escapades as batman he's gotten hit in the head like that before but he he didn't have his cowl on okay i'll give you that i suppose i love that he gets amnesia so the whole point of this episode he's he's the forgotten but it's also the people who have been forgotten because it's like a dual meaning thing guys it's really clever yeah and uh yeah he gets amnesia because he gets hit in the head yeah well this is another kind of like this is another episode i feel like that reminds us that this is still a kid's show like, yeah, it definitely is it, still a it kind of show. abandons logic to just be like, if a guy gets hit in the head, he's going to forget who he is, kids. Yeah. That's so, how the world works. <laughs> it is how the world works, you know? So he he wakes up out at a, down the desert. I don't know where it is. It, basically, it's meant to look like, I think, like the Utah desert mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, he's been abducted into a chain gang run by a reject from the Captain Planet Rogues Gallery. Boss Biggest. And I, I did have I did read up on this episode. There were not a lot of notes on this as you'd expect. But one of because them Because it's bad. Because it's it's bad. It is bad. I just like it. All right. But the the writers are saying that they had a hard time making just the very generic villain of the week characters distinctive. So their solution was to have this guy just be this massive glutton and he's always eating. And I guess the voice actor is eating when he's recording his voice. I didn't write down the name of the actor, which I should have done, but he also apparently was the voice of God in Star Trek V. Oh. Yeah. So guy's got some rough spots on his CV. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, uh, Boss boss Biggis? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I, I, when I was doing my research for this, on, a diff- on the other side... What I thought was really funny is someone had mentioned that the character design for this is the exact same character outfit that, oh, in uh, in South Park, not Mr. Slave, but the uh, the other very flamboyant character. Oh, wait. Um, I should have written his name down. I, I told myself I wasn't going to figure his wait, name. Wait, the name. Big Gay Al? Yeah, Big Gay Al. He has oh, the same not. costume. No, it's not. Yeah. White shirt with the pattern unbuttoned. No. The only thing is Gay Al wears the handkerchief. But it's a floral shirt that Big Gay Al wears. Was this shirt not flowery? No, it's it was just, like it's small. Just, it's a normal. He's like uh, Boss Biggest is wearing like a blue suit and kind of like not quite a safari hat, but like 1930s traveler's hat. Whatever. He's wearing a suit. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. You are wrong in this one. I, I distinctly remember Big Gay Al. Yeah. What, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> My sources were wrong. They were wrong. So he wakes up in the in the chain gang. <laughs> he wakes up. <laughs> he wakes up in Big Al's chain gang. Yep. And they're know. mining for gold. They're mi- is that what they're mining for? Mm-hmm. They actually say gold. I forgot what they're actually mining for. Yeah, they're gold. Okay. And there's like 
two two guys we meet there. One of them who is just unemployed and got abducted. Another one who uh, Salvo Smith, who's the comedian. Oh, oh God, yeah, he is, isn't he? Um, all full of the one-liners. Every oh. one-liner you need, he's got it. Yeah, he's got you covered. Uh, and then Dan Riley. Oh yeah, Dan Riley has the family, and he was a volunteer who's the character model for Lex Luthor. Seriously though, right? Yeah, they do look a lot alike. It's Lex Luthor plus one shade of tan. That's absolutely true. And so yeah, good guys abducting the chain gang. Uh, so when Bruce is off at chain gaining, chain ganging, mm. mining. Thank you. That's a way better way of phrasing it. <laughs> Alfred wakes up. Well, Alfred's already awake, but he goes in to find Bruce isn't there. Uh, he goes down and sees the bound bill still there, and then he checks the garage. Now, I don't think that's the Wayne Manor garage. I think it's the Batcave has a separate garage for his incognito cars. Maybe. That's the impression I got, because it didn't, it, it didn't look like it. Right, it, it still felt like it was part of the Batcave. It looked like it was part of the cave, yeah. So I, I just assumed that Batman has, like, a fleet of old cars. Well, he, I think those are the ones he keeps his suits in. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. Because <laughs> as we were talking about last week, he doesn't keep a suit in the Batmobile. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't keep a, hu- like a, a normal his, going his, out his suit his brown in the Batmobile. But he keeps double-breasted suit. But he keeps a bat suit in all of his car. It's yeah. probably those collection of cars he keeps a bat. Suit. That's true. Yeah. So because yeah. they're all tra- they all have trackers on them. They all have trackers. So yeah. Uh, so Alfred decides to track down the Studebaker, and he tracks it down to the Bowery, mm-hmm. which is that's a recognizable name. I think that's like a pretty distinct part of Gotham City, right? It's popped up before. I think in like the Arkham games. I think, and- I think it's just kind of just off of the docks. Like the dirtier, kind of seedier side of town. It's back where the, the food kitchen was. But then before the first commercial break, because you know how I love to keep track of these things, hmm. there's a cave-in back at the mine. And Bruce is starting to get his memory back a little bit because what's the Lex with the prototype called? What's his name? Dan Riley. Dan Riley. Dan uh, mentions that he was also a volunteer at the, the food shelter. It's so that, mm-hmm. that stirs a little bit in Bruce's brain. We get a cave-in, we get a commercial break, and we get back, and Alfred's out investigating in the Bowery. He's doing his detective work in his uh, butler attire. Yeah, still in his out- yeah, still in his butler suit think, because yeah. because you know the animators don't want to make a whole new outfit for that's him. That's true. That would be a lot of work, you know. And they that, can't that, throw a trench coat on that. That suit is so crisp, you know. It would, it would probably get wrinkled if you were to take it off. And right, so he he keeps it on. He goes. He finds the Studebaker in like a junkyard. Now I rewatched it again today because I watched this a while ago. He just sees guys getting out of a truck. Yeah. He they don't just, do anything. Right. Right. He just assumes that the car next door has something to do with Bruce. And so he takes the tracker off of the Studebaker and just puts it on these other guys' truck. And it drives off. And, and luckily, by happenstance, those are the guys. Those are the Bruce. guys. So then, well, he's waiting to figure out where the truck goes. We're back out at the mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bruce has a dream sequence. Is this the multiple personality dream sequence? It's most, uh, yeah, I guess so. Cause he's like, he's walking. So he's still, yes. he's still in his Gaff Morgan mm-hmm. attire. So it's just like right. the, the, the this, tank top and white hair. This is how I love this dream sequence. I do too. See, it has good moments. It does. But I think like Better we, than the we, see, we see dream sequences in all the movies and in a lot of, a lot of the animated episodes and a lot of the animated movies. And this is definitely one of my favorites because it, it, it actually, you see, reveals the, a lot. Yeah, you see the innards of Bruce's mind. Yeah, so because he's he's walking along like a hall of mirrors, mm-hmm. right? And so you see, like every time he walks past one, it's a slightly different, deformed version, right? Like he almost can't get a grasp on his own identity. And then he sees our traditional Bruce in his brown, dull-breasted suit, and he's laughing at what is called Gaff Morgan for now. And it's great because he laughs, and eventually the laugh turns into the Joker's laugh. Mm-hmm. Now, I was trying to figure out. 
Is that Kevin Conroy? I think it is. I think it is too, which is that really was, that awesome. That's another point that I wrote down. Is, yeah, because Kevin Conroy does a great Mark Hamill laugh. Yeah, because it morphs. It starts out with Bruce laughing, it becomes the Joker. So I, I couldn't tell maybe at the very end, maybe they were just using old Mark Hamill bits, but there's definitely a part where Kevin Conroy is doing a Joker laugh, and he does a really great job. Yeah. I was just, I got really excited when I realized that was happening, because that's a cool moment. Because, and then so after, so I think he like, he falls, like, so Joker grabs him from the mirror, yeah. and they fall into a flaming Gotham City. Of course. And then when he gets up, he's just back at the docks, and he gives oh, money right. to, uh, there's a a homeless person that comes up and asks for money, so he gives it yeah. to him. And then more and more homeless people come up, and he's just surrounded. Yeah. And then you see the single man tier yeah. of Bruce it's the man trickle that, down that one manly cheek. tear. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, that is actually a pretty great moment, though, because, again, it shows, like, again, it's not just about his parents, mm-hmm. right? That it, it's he really is trying to correct an injustice he sees in the world. And he has this weird kind of thing where, like, he does actually really care about people and humanity while at the same time being very detached from it kind of push pulse sort of thing it's it actually is like a really solid moment it does it's a dream sequence that actually reveals a lot about him like and you were saying so many times the dream sequences are basically just ways to recap his parents death and mm-hmm. again it alludes to oh, that's later on he has a second he has a yeah he has another dreamish kind of sequence yeah oh i could mm. um i promised myself that i would uh take a couple episodes off from uh making fun of Zack snyder so I'm just, you guys remember. I don't know what you have against Zack Snyder. I I don't know what I have. I just, you know, maybe he, maybe Zack Snyder watched this episode and was like, hey, dream sequences can work. I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I think so. He, he wakes up in the rubble. Uh, He still doesn't exactly remember who he is. Yeah, it's not quite there yet. And Uh, then he helps the two guys out. Oh yeah. Like the, a a brawl basically ensues, right? It's Mm -hmm. like the, um, yeah, they get out of the the cave and then the comedy guy, the comedian, he makes fun of. He makes, he makes a fart joke. He makes a fart joke at uh, Big Gay Al. Yeah, so then Bruce and Dan fight. Yeah, yeah, Bruce and Dan Riley fight all of the um all of the henchmen. Yeah, and get put into the hot box. Even though it never looks like they're losing. Like they beat no. up a good dozen people and then they're just like, "Okay, we lost." So yeah, they're put in the hot box and before when they were in the mines, Dan gave this great not really great speech, but just this line about like Hope is the only thing we have to hold on to, so you can't ever let go of hope while you're here. And so then he starts to like lose it, and Batman kind of recite or Bruce recites the line back to him. He's like, "No, I just want to see my family, my yeah. family, family, Martha, family. Martha, Martha." Family. Yeah, hearing family repeated over and over again. Bruce has a second dream sequence where it's him and his parents. Yeah, and it's his dad just kind of throwing him up in the air. Mm-hmm. How much better would that be if it was like an adult Bruce Wayne and his dad throwing him up in the air much rather better. than a kid? It'd be so much more better. Uh, and then it transitions to Batman standing there. Oh, yeah. It shows the parents' grave. Uh, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then it's Batman. Batman up on top of the tower. Um, oh, I even have a note. Inspiration for Zack Snyder. Oh. I do. So then uh, Bruce remembers who he is. Right. He busts out. Somehow Bruce has the best hair dye ever because his hair is still white. Even after being in the mines. Yeah, sweating in the mines for, I think, probably, what, two days, more or less? Yeah. Maybe even even just a day and then being in the hotbox for, like, three or four hours. Yeah, that thing is, dude, he's got some solid makeup right there. It happens when you're rich. Yeah, that that must have been uh, part of his travels abroad, learning how to fight, learning how to climb, learning magic from Zatanna or whatever. Professional makeup design. Professional makeup design, yeah. Yep. He's got it all. So he, and I think that's very interesting that when he has the memory of Bruce, that doesn't stick, but it's the memory of Batman that, that, that brings back his memory. And that shows just how tied he, tied up he is in that persona. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So then he uh, he escapes. We get a commercial break. 
I don't I don't remember what kind of peril he's in. I, I think that's just him running away. I think it's probably just him running. I did appreciate that uh, when he does get his memory back, he instantly, Kevin Conroy, slips into the Batman voice. Yes, I did, I did notice that, yeah, because um, we were talking about that before where he basically has three settings. He's got, like, Persona Bruce that he shows the world. He's got Batman, and then he's got a neutral middle one. He only really talks to Alfred, and, yeah, when he does that memory, he's in that neutral voice. But what I appreciated is right before the commercial break, um, he's like, Dan, I'm going to get you out of here. And he's like, and he's like, whatever. And he breaks the door open, and then he just runs away. Yeah. No one else tried kicking? Like, well, I don't think they could see each other. And so I'm just imagining it from Dan Riley's perspective of, like, oh, I'm going right. to save you. Crash. <laughs> are, are you still there? I forgot that he doesn't do anything for are, Dan. He just runs he off on He just runs his... away. Oh. I wish, so, I wish they had cut back to Dan just sitting like, there just crying. Is, are you still there, friend? <laughs> Am I in this alone now? Oh, that so makes we, that moment so much better. So we come back and we see Alfred poorly commanding the Batwing. First appearance of the Batwing, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, Alfred's struggling. And I, I did very much enjoy that whoever programmed the Batwing programmed Alfred's dry sassiness. Right, yeah. Get it thrown right back at him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's flying out to go intercept with uh, with Bruce, he spots him and like eventually convinces the plane to sit down and mm-hmm. land, and then he he falls out of the the Batwing, claps on the ground, and says he's going to claim that land for Spain. Which I get, I get they're going for a joke there, but why not England? I mean, because England's already conquered everything. Yeah, but he is English. I know. You know, I know. I feel like it's a reference to something that I just missed. It probably is, but got no home pride. You know, God damn it, Alfred. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. That's oh my god. If they had showed up, then it would have been so good. Always. Any any kind of show. Everything's better uh, with an it? unexpected Spanish Inquisition. But luckily, although Bruce tends not to keep a bat suit where he needs it, he does keep one in the bat wing conveniently because mm-hmm. he dons the bat suit. Well, we, we don't know that because the next time we see it, it's nighttime. That's true. He may have flown back. Put on a different bat suit. He first, showered. First thing he, first, he, he had to get that hair dye out. Yeah. yeah. He probably has like some special compound to get that stuff out. Get the, the aftershave off. Yeah, of course. Aftershave, the five o'clock shadow off. Stop, have a meal. Yeah. Maybe. He probably had a date scheduled that night too. You know, didn't want to miss out on that. Mm-hmm. So. And then he's like, oh, Dan. Oh, right. Gotta go. Yeah. I did say that I was going to save him. Yeah. No, actually, what happened is he was out on some date and the waiter brought the food. He's like, no, careful. It's hot. Hot, hot, hot. Oh, God, the hot box. Dan ran out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets back and uh, Big Gay Al is terrified. He doesn't believe that there is such a thing as a bat, which people, I don't get how people just don't think he exists still. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because he's like, because he also is like, oh my God, it's Batman. He's like, because he doesn't believe one of the henchmen, right? Well, the, the first, the, the henchman says it's a giant bat. Oh, yeah. And why don't people just assume just at this know point? At this point, yeah. Does it, doesn't everyone know who Batman is? I feel like if I just saw a regular sized bat flying through the air, I'm like, oh, it's oh, Batman oh, really Batman. far away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I can almost see him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but he, he does show up and it's like, oh shit, it's Batman. So they go into the mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another reason why I like this episode. I like the mind sequence it's all right oh come I've on i've seen better mind sequences oh you well excuse me it's not the top of the mind sequences out there but i mean it's it's pretty good he's sneaking around he's picking them off one by one mm-hmm. i mean that's something that we see done in you know, batman begins it's a whole gameplay element in the arkham series and here he's kind of like you know sneaking around and taking them out one by one i do love though the big gal solution to 
Batman sneaking around in the dark is turn all the lights out, turn the lights out and then have them all have spotlights on their heads. So they're even easier to find in the dark. Exactly. And they're even easier to sneak up behind in the dark because the lights go in one way. Batman's the other way. Yeah. Uh, but it works great for him because he, he takes all of them out, makes it that much easier. Mine catches fire. Mine catches fire because this is not actually part of Gotham City, but regardless, mm-hmm. everything's super flammable. I guess it doesn't catch fire. They have explosives that just go off. That's true. I think, isn't it a lamp again? It's probably, there's always lamps. Yeah. There's a lot of like flame lamps, fire burning lamps in this world that shouldn't be near explosive and flammable things, but they are. So the mine goes up and uh, Batman throws Big Al into a, a water flume and they escape the mine. Now, I have a question for you. What do you think happened to all of the henchmen who were unconscious in the mine when it blew up? Doesn't think about it. <laughs> they escaped, you know, for all he knows. They, they all instantly regained consciousness. And like, oh, shit, this place is on fire. Let's get out of here. Let's get in the water flume. Let's get in the water flume. Yeah. Uh, but even if they did, they didn't have time because it exploded the second Batman That's true. fell out. Killed those guys, man. Yeah. Well, like you said, inspiration for Zack Snyder. <laughs> I'm glad I was about to. I'm glad you said it, not me. Um, so, uh, so the mind, the mind goes up, and then we assume that Batman goes goes and frees everybody. I don't think we actually see it. No, then it's a jump cut to the food bank. Yeah, because he's there with uh, Dan and the comedian mm-hmm. Salvo. Salvo, thank you. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, if I can find a job, and it's like, oh, do you need a place to crash? They're like, no, I'm good. And Alfred's there with yeah, he, the can, he calls Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, the Rolls Royce, yeah. I get, I get it's all meant to be like a, a little joke there at the end. Doesn't it feel kind of in poor taste? Like Batman is an asshole? Like Bruce a little is an bit. Asshole, a like little bit. mentioned last week. Yeah, it's like, I mean, obviously these guys are happy. Like, guys reunited with his family. These other guys no longer being enslaved at a mine. But, you know, clearly they're, you know, at least one of them is still struggling for work. He says, oh, hopefully I can find a job. And sure, Bruce is like, yeah, I work for Wayne and just Enterprises. You know, give me a call and I'll get you a job. Yeah. But he does it in like... How can I find you? You have the only computer in the That's city. That's true. Yeah. Just Google me. What's Google? And yeah, he does it by... Oh, poor people. Yeah. By like, oh, just give me a ring as he climbs into his Rolls Royce to be driven off by his butler. And it's just like, I get what kind of joke they're going for. Don't think that would fly now. But it's not a great episode. It had the dream sequence. And that is it. it I had the dream sequence. I'm going to give it the mine. Yeah. I think the, the, the bits with Alfred in the Batwing... Are played better than the kid in the house for Underdwellers. I say it's a better episode than the Underdwellers. I feel like they 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 are very similar. I mean, they're both completely forgettable. Yeah, they're both one-off villains. We never see either of those two villains again. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah, really suck. But after that, we get to our first good Joker episode. I was gonna say I, this is the best Joker episode yet. Out yeah. of the three, out of uh, I guess it is the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's being a clown. And uh, take the take the run on this one here. Cool. Kind of the the overall story is Joker is back, and uh, well, I guess we we start off with the mayor trying to get he's up for re-election. I assume. I think he's always up for re-election. Yeah, it's just yeah, a it's, constant state. He, of, he's breaking ground on a new housing complex, I right. think, and it's uh, be, Gotham Towers, the safest place in Gotham, because he believes that we can save this city without a Batman. So he's giving a speech about how he wants, you know, Gotham to be the safest city there is. And as he's giving the speech, he's interrupted by a car chase that goes off the road into this lot. And the police being very incompetent are just kind of causing more chaos. And when the 
the perpetrators end up crashing the car into the stage. And as they get out, Bruce, or sorry, Batman shows up and swings on a girder, right? Oh, yeah, like on a giant steel I-beam. Definitely wouldn't kill someone if it hit them swinging at 40 miles an no, hour. No, and, and there's no way that the uh, you know, the factor of safety rating on that winch was des- you know designed to have... Sorry, I'm getting all engineering on it, but... Uh, um, so he... <laughs> the cable wouldn't hold that if it were swinging, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so Batman swings, hits the two, they fall conveniently into a dumpster. Hey, it's gotta have this convenient uh, place. This, this was one of those episodes that we mentioned before that has, like... It's just straight Bruce one-liners or Batman one-liners. Oh, it's just nonstop. Uh, yeah. So they, he hits him into the trash can. He's like, what did you say? The garbage gets picked up on Monday, but I'll make an exception for you guys. That's the one. And then just leaves. Yeah. Uh, as he does, because, you know, he never wants to take responsibility for anything. Great man. Great man, that <laughs> Batman. So as he's leaving, an interviewer approaches the mayor mm-hmm. asking, what is your opinion on the bat? And he says a very interesting line that, there are a couple people that we see have the same mentality. He says costumed freaks like Batman are cut from the same cloth as the Joker. Oh, yeah. And then the Joker happens to be watching when he says Right. That. So then it kind of zooms out and we see that Joker is watching this interview on TV. And he takes that very offensively that he's so similar to the Batman. Yeah. Uh, and then the interview continues saying that he wants the city to be as safe as his mansion. Uh, and he's like. Dick I'll line from that. a mayor, too, right? Right. Like, yeah. I'll take that challenge, says the Joker. So then it jump cuts to the mayor is throwing a birthday party for his son, which is actually just a political oh, yeah. get-together. Yeah, he's just doing the smooth. Yeah, smooth the Richie Riches. He's hoping someone will drop one of those uh, $80 million checks. Yeah. Yeah. So we um, we see that. He's planning the party downstairs, and he treats his butler Horribly. I have so much more appreciation for how Bruce treats Alfred after seeing yeah. how the mayor treats his butler. We we go upstairs and we see his son Jordan is doing magic trick. And the dad comes up or the mayor comes up and he's like very against it. Like, stop being weird. Come be normal and hang out with my friends. Um, uh, you have a birthday party to attend. He's like, it's your party, dad. I don't want to attend. Like, I don't have any friends. He's like, oh, but I invited kids this time, yeah. which is great because that means... One of his previous birthday parties, he also did this and just didn't invite didn't any invite children. Didn't invite any kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so Poor uh, Jordan. Uh, so they go down, and the dad's like, oh, I got you a surprise. And this is one of the things that bugged me about this episode. Uh, he, his surprise was he, he got him a clown to perform at his birthday party. Yeah. Why is all of Gotham just not afraid of any clown? Like, how is That's a, a clowning business still a yeah. thing in Gotham? Like, the number of times Joker comes in and just, like, takes them to be henchmen or kills them. Yeah. Or Batman just assumes that's where they are and he'll go and interrogate all of them. Like, I feel like that's the most dangerous line of business. It absolutely would be. And the, like. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously this clown is the Joker in disguise. Yeah. Which you would just, as a citizen of Gotham, just assume that's every clown. Yeah, I would. Um, I'd just go around just tasing clowns on the street. Actually, that um, sounds a lot of fun. Well, I guess this is, you know, this is still supposed to be 1940s through 1960s, where that was still not a creepy yeah, I guess pastime. So. But I, I do think it's interesting. So where I thought you were going with that was that the mayor gets a clown when the kid loves magic. Wouldn't he get a magician? Uh, clowns are cheaper. That's true. Clowns are cheaper. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he spent a lot of money on that party, just not on the clown. Yeah, so, but yeah, the Joker shows up. As Jekko. As Jekko doing his best Edwin voice, which that made me happy. I do love a good Edwin voice. You have no idea who that is, I do you? I don't. 
God damn my camera. It's the uh, the voice of the Mad Hatter from the Disney Alice in Wonderland. Okay. He was also Uncle Albert in Mary Poppins. Okay. I know I know what you're talking about. I just I just haven't heard it called that before. Yeah, it's Ed Wynn. He's got a really distinctive voice. Okay. If my film career doesn't pan out, I really intend to just go be a Mad Hatter at Disneyland. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, I, so yeah, his voice was a little higher and it had like a, that bit of a lisp. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's what you mean. Yes. I, I picked up on those notes. I just didn't know that it had a name. Well, the, yeah. I'm sorry I can't catch every <laughs> reference that you throw at me. You should know the Disney references, though. I'm I'm off this these past two weeks. Yeah, um, that's so, fine. You're going to go to Disneyland. You'll you'll pick up some more of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bastard. he um, so Jekko comes in and he's doing these magic tricks, and Jordan approaches him like, "How do I become a magician? Or how do I become a clown like you?" He's like, "Oh, well, it's three easy steps. You run away, <laughs> you find a mentor, and then you steal your mentor's yeah. show." And I, I love it too because the. Jordan asks him where he learned everything, and it's, he pulls out a flyer, and it's prosciutto. for the great prosciutto. Do you recognize who that is? Mm-hmm. It's Alan Moore. Oh, perfect. Yeah, which I'm sure Alan Moore loved that. I, I, I bet he did. Famous grumpy old man, mm-hmm. Alan Moore. But uh, yeah, that was a fun fun little moment there. But the Joker's there for a reason. He has yep. a plan. Yep, he's going to blow up the party, not by hiding explosives anywhere, but have a very visual... That's a good point. Yeah. He had the entire house. Yeah, he had the free himself. run of the whole place. Mm-hmm. And his solution is to have a blue stick of dynamite with his face on it on top of a cake. But to be fair, the dumb high, higher ups of Gotham. Oh, yeah. Didn't recognize. Saw that it was well, just they, like, oh, it's a sparkler. Yeah, they wouldn't recognize a stick of dynamite. No, no, no. Why They're would rich. They? But luckily, Bruce is there. And he, he, does, he has Clark Kent syndrome. Where he syndrome, I got call it when when a hero can't be a hero, and so they oh. stumble around until they they solve the problem. Oh, okay. I like call he, it Clark Kent syndrome because that's a very constant theme in like every Superman animated movie. He can't just do his own thing. He's always got to he's got to stumble into something yeah. to stop it. So yeah, in this case, Bruce uh, hears the laugh of the clown. He's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I know that laugh," which would probably give me like nightmares. It wouldn't everyone so. I wrote this down, and I was going to talk about it later, but since you brought it up already, uh, Joker's been on TV multiple times. Yes. Wouldn't everyone know what he looks like, what he sounds like at this point? You would think, or is it one of those things like, is it such a regular occurrence that people, like, it even goes past, like, the conscious mind, they don't even think about it? But yeah, I mean, like, he's always hijacking a radio broadcast and putting himself out there. You'd think... But maybe people are just so desensitized now to the whole thing. I I mean, wouldn't I mean, wouldn't you recognize the voice of a terrorist? Yeah, probably. But you know, we're but again, they're, we're, they're, we're expecting these people have at the some mayor's kind of common mansion, sense. All right. Yeah. I mean, he even went on TV and said it was so safe. Yes, the safest place in Gotham. Safest place in Gotham. So yeah, Bruce stops the dynamite by pushing the cake into the he pool. stumbles over stumbles the, yeah, he yeah. literally stumbles his way to saving the day yeah and so then cake blows up and we find that jordan is missing yes because he followed joker's advice and he ran away mm-hmm. into jekko's truck yep so he's stowed away with the joker as they go back to what is the the circus not circus what is that's oh, like the carnival called? i don't know what it's called it, i don't know it has a name i yeah. just never <laughs> learned it alan moore's fun house sure yeah. So yeah, Jordan, uh, he sneaks on. Yeah, he gets to the amusement park, and 
comes out and is just like, Jekko, train me to be your protege. Train me to be a magician. And I love it because we get a, a great moment from the Joker. And we've talked about this before. The reason Mark Hamill is so good is that he turns on a dime. Oh, yeah. Because he's straight up pissed. Because he would be. Why do you want to deal with this kid? He's legitimately mad at this kid. And right when you think it, he's going to explode... He starts laughing. He starts laughing. He turns and laughs. He's, yeah. It's so good. It's, I love those moments. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like we said before, we're still growing with the Joker. Yeah. The Joker's voice. We're, it's still not what we know today, but this is. it's getting really close to that point. Yeah. In the next couple episodes, he'll defi- I think he'll definitely find it, and we'll be able to hear that click of like, yeah. this is the Joker we yeah. know. And I, I think yeah, this felt the most like the Joker we're used to and the way he behaves. Um, uh-huh. So he takes on Jordan as his protege. And he's teaching him a couple of magic tricks, you know, how to swallow, you know, gets just one magic trick, teaches him how to swallow a sword. Um, and then Batman shows up. By the way, that that sounds horrible. Would you take it out of context? Yeah. Yeah, I know. OK, I'm just going to let it go. Let's move on. Um, uh, so Batman shows up and Joker is like, oh, we're going to have some fun with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's actually make this a show. And so Jordan stands out front lures batman into the funhouse uh and joker becomes a gambit for a second and has these knife he has cards yeah his his knife throwing cards isn't there's another episode it might be in batman beyond where you actually see a close-up of the cards and it's actually like a knife blade attached to the side i don't remember um in in some one of these one of these series you actually see a close-up of the card and it's really interesting to see like didn't there's actual razors yeah didn't he have razor sharp playing cards in one of the other joker episodes too we've already watched i don't remember who knows but his his secret weapon in this episode is he oh. has a special joker card that when he throws it explodes into sleeping gas it's a real gas he even says yeah because he asks, like is he dead or did you hurt him he's like no he's just asleep uh yeah batman incapacitated by an exploding gas card you think he would have seen that one coming i don't know i wouldn't i mean i didn't see that coming the Joker says, you'll love this card. It's a real gas. Throws it at him. Yeah. It explodes it. But he didn't know. Out. Like he had, he, he had to think of all of the other thing. I mean, probably for him, his first thought was it's Joker gas. And so he was probably mentally preparing himself for Joker gas. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm asleep. Well, yeah, I guess. But I mean, it, the, the Joker loves his dad jokes. Yeah. You'd think Batman would know. Would pick up on. I mean, when he, yeah. fight, he, he could fight the Riddler at like top tier. Anyways, Batman incapacitated by gas yeah. that could have been avoided. And then Jordan starts to feel bad and starts to f- realize he's not doing the right thing. Batman wakes up, and my favorite Houdini trick, it's the uh, the um, Chinese, what I, what is that? I wrote it down, the actual name of it. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know the name. But it's, yeah, it's, he's in a straitjacket in a filling water tank. Yeah, the Chinese water torture trick. That was actually called? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, but they did, I mean, they just didn't say torture. They just yeah. said the Chinese water trick, which is a great trick. It was actually Houdini's last trick before he died. Fun facts. Oh, yeah, because didn't he, I forget it. Should we do a quick Houdini lesson? How did, how did Houdini die again? Like, uh, didn't he get, he got hit, right? Didn't he have internal bleeding from? Yeah, uh, no, his uh, gallbladder popped. Yeah, but wasn't it as a result of a trick? No, so um, uh, Houdini was was famous for having these basically rock-hard abs and so he would oh, go around and before right. and after a show he would he would tell people like come on you can punch me in the stomach okay and that's what it was he'd yeah. always you know tighten up his muscles and so before his last show it was actually his pupil's friend 
that came in and he's like, oh, I've heard that anyone can punch you. And before he was able to tighten up his abs, he just he got socked in the stomach and it uh popped his gallbladder right before a show. And so he does the Chinese water torture trick and barely escapes out of it. And as he stands up for his final ovation, he collapses, rush him to the hospital and he dies uh, a couple hours later. It's very sad. Death by hubris. Yeah. Mm. Um, So I thought it was very interesting that that's how joker chose to try and kill bruce is yeah. the same trick that pretty much killed houdini that's true uh but just as houdini he managed to escape of uh, course with the help of an axe you gotta have that axe lying around yeah jordan jordan has cold feet and second thoughts yeah try to want to kill batman tries to break the glass he cracks it just enough for batman to escape he gets his own way out of the straight jacket because joker makes a joke about how they just don't make him like they used to and he would know he would know he would know and and then there's the, the miraculous reveal that it's Joker when he pulls off the white face to reveal a white, white face. face. Yep. Literally nothing changed. No. Like like the eye shape changed. Yeah, I think I he had think. Like, like a fake bald head and like some massive eyebrows and yeah. off they go. And so Jordan's like, oh my gosh, it's the Joker. So he's running away from the Joker. Batman manages to escape and there's the the chase going on. They get on a roller coaster. And I always I always appreciate a good roller coaster chase scene. I, I do too. And I, I feel like in this one, Joker pulls out like exploding Cupid dolls mm-hmm. and throws them. I, I feel like maybe a, an obtuse reference to the Dark Knight Returns. Cause in that one, Joker has like the the dolls, like the the poison. Oh dolls. yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, about so those I'm like, guys. I don't know. It feels like it's maybe a reference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like throwing exploding Cupid dolls back at Batman. And then Batman just throws him off the highest peak, luckily into some water. Into some water. And then just lets him lets him be there. Yeah. Well, he has better things to do because he has to save himself and Jordan. That's true. Because he looks down at the track and it, there's a giant hole in the railing. As there always is on a runaway roller coaster. Yeah, on, in an abandoned mu- amusement park. Um, That's always the first things to go in an amusement park, it seems like. It's, it's one section of a roller coaster. One section of the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, codes are not up to scratch. So he finally gains the trust of Jordan at the very last second. Jordan reaches out. Batman grabs him, grapples away. And then it jumps to him. It jumps to his father finally grieving over the loss of his son. Here's Jordan come back. And he's back. Happy ever after. It is happy. Gives him the biggest birthday hug he's ever had. Biggest birthday hug ever. And I'm sure within like a month, their horrible dynamic went back to the way it was. Yeah. Before this tragic event. It's silly, but it's yeah. It's a pretty good. It was an interesting. It was an interesting showing of like different fatherly figures. Oh, okay. Not yeah. not focused around Thomas, which is is very rare for this universe. Oh um, God, isn't it though? Yeah. So you see, like obviously Jordan is is a is similar, kind similar for the most part to Bruce pre murdered parents, except yeah. that you know his dad doesn't love him. Bruce was showered with affection. Yeah, Jordan, that's true is you know just getting by with a really bad father shit dad um, yeah and so he runs away to the joker who takes the role of a father figure they, yeah. it's a very rare thing to see i feel like it is but yeah. it, it's it's really i like seeing kind of joker having a protege and teaching people his tricks even though it wasn't like joker level tricks like he wasn't trying to like teach people teach them how to murder but was, i think that'd be a really cool there. a really interesting story of like actually seeing like just even if it's just like a quick training montage of like Joker actually taking on a pupil, I think that'd be cool. Well, I mean, Harley is a sort of pupil for him, yeah, on some level. And I actually realized as you were talking about 
the Houdini trick that it pops up again in Mad Love. I don't know if I remember Mad Love. I don't remember it very well. But when Harley captures Batman and it's developed a death trap, like the Joker had wanted to put Batman in a straitjacket and dunk him into a tank of piranhas, but the problem is they weren't smiling. So Harley hangs him upside down so that from his perspective, they are going to be smiling. So actually, when Harley captures Batman and is going to be able to kill him, it's an actually more easily escapable version of what he just did in this episode. Because in this one, he's trapped within the actual tank already filled with water. Is that one he's dangling above the tank in the straitjacket? So we know. So at that point, we already knew he could get out of a straight ja- straight jacket. Well, of course he can get out of a straight jacket. Yeah, that's probably one of the things. First, he, yeah. Like as a teenager, that was one of the things he would practice. Like I'm like wrap myself up in a straight jacket and get out of it. As Alfred's just standing there, like how do I take care of children? Yeah, what the fuck have I done? How do I deal with this guy? It's nuts. Be a clown, pretty good. I like the forgotten. I I I'd have no interest in watching it again for a long time, if ever. But it's fine. That was all right. And then, uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week with both parts of Two-Face. The Two-Face story. Which That'll is exciting. That'll be very, very interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. last week we saw Two-Face. Uh, we saw Harvey. Yes. And that's the last, so I guess the last time we see Harvey before turning into Two-Face is yeah. learning that his fiance tried to kill him. So he's he we we're gonna start off at a very bad note, and we're we're just gonna see where it goes from there. Yeah, because I guess yeah we saw him what, in the pilot, and then I guess again in Pretty Poison, mm-hmm. and that's it. So yeah, so that's coming up uh, next week. And as always, you can find us at at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook and Twitter, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at uh, at Cameron Dexter on everything. Yeah, and I'm at Lordifer. On all those things, the thank you to Olga the Satnik for coming in and being our audio engineer this week. And we are once again recording down at the podcast booth at the Nerdist School. So go check out nerdistschool.com. Yeah. All right. That's it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks y'all for listening.